0: That was Airborne We're by with phase. You're listening to TuneFM here on 106.9. Kim and I are back. We've got two interviews this afternoon with some more wonderful lecturers. And starting up, we have Michael Evans in with us, who is a lecturer in physics at UNE in the School of Science, who currently teaches, among other things, Phys 100, which is a unit intended for students who did not study physics in high school. It's generally uh, going to give you a little bit more of a background into physics and the introduction of physical concepts. Um, It will be a standalone physics unit and students who are going to go on to study PHYS one through one and PHYS one through 2 would be suited to study it. Uh, Topics covered will include kinematics, dynamics, electricity and magnetism, wave motion, atomic and nuclear physics. Uh, Michael Evans, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, How are you today? I'm feeling quite well. Thank you. That's good. That's always good to hear. So, I guess um, the first question off the bat for students who are going into Phys 100, obviously this trimester that starts next week, mm-hmm. um, it, they might be feeling a little bit anxious or apprehensive about what to expect. What does this unit teach here at UNE?
1: Well, it's a foundation in the, the principles of the the behaviour of natural objects that aren't alive. So, anything that's not living is potentially in the territory of physics. Things behave according to physical laws, physical effects like gravity, electromagnetism, their own momentum, their own mass. Uh, These are things that you're completely familiar with from growing up and playing with tennis balls and basketballs and swimming. Uh, The experiences of life are enough to almost teach you the main questions in physics. So when you come to university, we start to give you some of the answers that you've probably already asked. About the way the world works. And so long as it's technically dead then it's in the physics classroom, potentially.
0: I enjoy that you said technically dead as opposed yes. to just genuinely dead.
1: Well, Erwin Schrödinger, one of the greatest physicists ah, uh, in, of the 20th century at least, did an extensive study into the nature of life from a physical perspective, and he couldn't answer his own question, what is life? Okay. So we draw a, a careful, fuzzy line around the things that are in our subject and things that aren't. If you're interested in things that are alive, do biology and botany.
0: Yes. Erwin Schrödinger, of course, the famous physicist that may or may not have gone on a theoretical cat-killing rampage so um, <laughs> the first question obviously for uh, I guess that students may have um, again for you who are going for them who are going into this unit what is one thing they can do in this unit to get a better grade uh, pay attention turn up read the question carefully um,
1: have done some of the work beforehand you know you, you really do need to know what the principles are before you can start to apply them um, it's, it's like in anything that you need to succeed in in life. You have to practice, you have to be there, you have to want to. Uh, you've got to have a, a reason. So think, you know, what do you want to do with your career? And in, in what sense does it entail understanding electrons or electricity or electronics or electromagnetism or the things that stem from that into other branches of technology or life? And, you know, if you go into the health sciences, for instance, if you're into uh, behavioral psychology, if you're going into nursing, uh, these things all have certain amounts of physics in them uh, to different degrees. Usually the more, the more technical the career you aspire to, the more physical content there will be in it. But it's also a, a subject that answers, as I said, all of the questions you've had about the things that happened to you when you are growing up. Um, at least to the level of FIS 100. I think everyone should take some physics subjects just to understand that.
0: So what um, I guess for students who will be using this as a stepping stone into one of the units we spoke about, the FIS 300 level units, how much of what they learn in this unit will be used in units going forward in those 300 level units or any other units otherwise?
1: Well actually going from FIS 100 to FIS 131 for the first uh, month at least it feels like you're going over the same material again but you'll see straight away that it's at a a more detailed level we go from just two dimensions or you know even one dimension or two dimensions to at least three dimensions and we start talking about the fourth dimension of time as well wow uh, the the whole question of what Einstein did in the 20th century. The incredible revolution of the 20th century um, has to work in at least four dimensions, and depending on the, the branch of advanced physics that you're in, it could be up to 11 dimensions. So it, it basically goes from the uh, from Phys 100, which is relatively simple mathematically and simple in terms of the spaces that we explore, we go to the the large full. Volume of the universe that we in- inhabit and its persistence in time, and the uh, appearance that it has of having a multi-dimensional effects and even multiversal, where there may be more than just one universe, and it can actually be seen, measured, uh, not not accessed, but there are effects of a, a multi-dimensional universe that are important. So we talk about those things as well. Having said that, though, we don't make the assessment for those advanced Phys One Three One One Three Two subjects depend on. You know, understanding space-time and special or general relativity. We just look at them and talk about them in conjunction with the things that we're doing in ordinary Newtonian mechanics, understanding how Um, A a train works, for instance, what its energy is, what kind of momentum it develops, what kind of inertia it has, if if there's a collision, what kind of damage can be done. These are effects that actually start to trigger questions about relativity for things that are moving at very high velocities. Why is it that their time frame slows down? Why is it that uh, a a fast-moving train is actually slightly shorter? Mm. Uh, Not that it looks shorter or seems shorter or that it's been compressed in some way it just physically exists in a, a shorter space frame and a longer time frame and these are interesting questions that are
0: inevitably triggered by things like train collisions absolutely um you mentioned earlier the idea of you know multi-universes are you a hmm. subscriber of the many worlds theory
1: well there's you've got to be careful with that there is the
0: a, a multiversal
1: cosmology where you can have many different universes that don't coexist Uh, because they don't intersect. Uh, But within any of those universes, there can be many worlds that are separating from each other at any instant because of the consequences of a quantum decision or a quantum event. Um, If you toss a coin, it comes down tails in one of these many worlds universes and heads Mm. in another of these many worlds universes. And the, the quantum many-worlds theory and the cosmological multiversal theories don't actually connect at any point. That's one of the many gaps that are still there in very advanced physics. How do we explain um, quantum events? Is it valid to talk about many worlds because of that splitting of probabilities? And how do you explain why uh, there, is, there are no physical uh, explanations for why um, an electron will have its head pointing upwards as opposed to its head pointing downwards. There isn't an explanation for that apart from probability. So things like many worlds have been developed to try to give us a, um, you know, a, a bigger picture explanation for why that happens. But it's separate to the multiverse of cosmology. Uh, and I personally do believe in the cosmological multiverse, and I don't believe in the quantum many worlds.
0: Okay. For probably okay. personal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's just interesting to get, I guess, a um, an opinion and a, and a different perspective on that particular theory. Yeah. Um, so what is one of the best things about your job? Uh, I like
1: the, the freedom, the academic freedom uh, to choose my own research directions um, I come from environmental engineering originally, um, but there is no engineering at the university anymore. Sadly but not. over the last yeah. 10 years, I've developed into physics. I've been teaching in physics first as a demonstrator, uh, where my main research became um, fluid instruments. So I developed um, a, a type of a barometer that doesn't depend upon mercury. Uh, I use oil instead. Mm-hmm and then try to calibrate that instrument so I developed a type of a piston thermometer which can respond to temperature changes in a way that will adjust the volume of this barometer um, and I was quite enjoying this, that, as I said, that the sense of freedom is great, but I realized at the end of it, once I'd got this barometer developed, that nobody wanted it. There was no call for it, you know, I I barometric instruments these days, uh, micro electronic circuits using transducers and so on. I realized that what I'd been doing, really, was just exploring my own territory and <laughs> fluid mechanics, and no one could stop me from doing that. <laughs> no, and we were all happy that I was doing it, and there's that barometer as, as proof. But then from there I went to something a bit more practical. Uh, I met a developer and inventor, very clever man called Ashak, who had come up with a design for a roof-mounted solar thermal heater. He just didn't know how to parameterize it to, to get the, the, the turbulence of the system working so that it would absorb heat as well as it possibly could. Um, he made my job the business of figuring out that optimization and the best way that we could build units that were of the right size to mount commercially on houses and so on and that was great too for uh, about five years we worked on this project and he spent all of his money and I spent all of my time at the end of it we realized that these things are so heavy in comparison to a conventional solar uh, photovoltaic unit uh, and also so unconventional nobody had ever heard of them that uh that didn't sell and again nobody wanted it nobody mm. needed it there yeah. it was and it was great yeah. but uh <laughs> what do you do same thing i felt look i've learned so much from this uh, you know i've learned at least at least 50 of the territory of thermodynamics which is the, one of the most important subjects in physics and uh i got one of these th- solar thermal roof heaters on my roof and on his roof and on some other roofs that we were lucky enough to convince them but um Uh, again, no call for it as such. So the the most recent things that I've been doing, pursuing my own freedom, is to examine these questions in cosmology. I I, I do have a a pretty reasonable, everyone's got a a theory about what dark matter is and what dark energy is. Are these theories any good? Can they connect to the empirical data? Can you make any kind of proof, either theoretical or in the laboratory? I, I think I can with what I've come up with. And Nobody would have expected me to do this, given where I started in my career as an environmental engineer. Here I am, now a foundation physics philosopher, almost. Um, try to answer this big question. What is dark matter? What is dark energy? I, I could give it to you in three words, but I'm not going to because I haven't published it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that something that we can hopefully expect to see published in the near distant future? Definitely. Yeah. It'll turn into at least five papers, I think. Oh, goodness. Wow. Okay, yeah. awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I guess um, not to bring down the mood slightly, but on the flip <laughs> side of that question, what do you think the worst thing about your job is? The You can tell it's the
1: uh, the helplessness, the, the uselessness, the... I haven't achieved a damn thing. I've got to tell you, my career has been just a, a total waste of time. <laughs> but I've had a really good time with it. I've learned a lot. I've done a lot of things that I find uh, uh, unique and new, Uh It's only if the barometers weren't such a 19th century thing. That would have been really (laughs) groundbreaking. (laughs) Yes, We really wanted to get mercury out of our classroom. So no mercury instruments. They said, give us a a new type of barometer. And it didn't take that long, and it was a lot of fun. But it didn't do anything. So the sense of learned helplessness is something that you've got to get used to as an academic i found. You know, you write a PhD, and only six people read it, so... (laughs) There's not, not a big audience out there.
0: Oh, that's um, certainly one of the more uh, upfront and honest <laughs> answers we've had to one's uh, own academic achievements, <laughs> um, I guess. Well, there's lots of academics out
1: there who do have great success, but, um, you know, I see them from a distance and think, wow, they're like the uh, the big cats of the jungle. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not one of them.
0: Um, so what is one thing you wish you knew before starting out at university? Any tips that you can give to the first years?
1: Oh, I can't remember anything, anything that I didn't know.
0: <laughs> okay, no, No, that's I fine. can't remember yeah. anything that I didn't know. What a sort of question is that? Okay, no, that's understandable. No. Um, so, I guess with the benefit of hindsight, is there something now that you can look back on when from your own days as an undergrad and realise, you know, something that you weren't entirely the best at, like a skill that maybe you didn't quite have the best grasp of?
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a particularly good memory. That's not unusual. Um, In physics, you don't need a good memory. You can more or less derive everything from scratch or, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. Everything flows from there, so you can sort of start there and work your way out. Or if it's something that you need to look up, um, there doesn't seem to be a big stigma against laboratory physicists and ivory tower academics doing that kind of thing. But if I was in the life sciences, certainly medicine, even botany or anything like that if i had to remember all of the things that a botanist has got to be able to have at his fingertips uh, at any instant of the day without looking like an idiot because he's got to carry a truckload of books in the back of his ute uh you know i couldn't possibly be a botanist i couldn't remember all of those names so that's and you you know you you learn to recognize your weaknesses
0: and luckily enough i found physics is a, a place where i can work Okay, that's spectacular. Hmm. Um, I guess moving on, um, do you have a dream research location? Oh, Cambridge, definitely. As a
1: theoretical ivory tower specialist, yeah, definitely Cambridge. Um, I'm sure others would say Antarctica Hmm. or the forest of Borneo or really exciting, challenging physical places like that. But... um, I'm a bit of a softie really I'd I'd like a a, a place with long history and steeped in tradition um, and the chance of running into famous names uh, I won't drop any names but there are plenty of famous physicists working
0: in Cambridge. That sounds like, it sounds absolutely wonderful. We must admit, probably the strangest answer we've had to that question was someone said they'd like to research Pluto. <laughs> Pluto. Which, um, like, good luck getting there, but okay, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Yeah, they just missed the last bus. <laughs> and it's not going back. No, I shouldn't <laughs> imagine so. Um, is there anything you're passionate about at the moment, whether it's new research or something? Um,
1: apart from the the, uh, the cosmology questions, um uh, I'm a passionate humanist, I, I really believe in uh, justice and rights and progress, I really believe in renewable energies and in a broader engagement with the international community and these are things which uh, my country is, is seriously not doing at, at the moment. No. Um, the, the, the influence that I try to have through writing to political figures, through writing to newspapers, Uh, through being a a, a regular contributor below the line to the the left wing guardian Uh, these are the things that I'm passionate about but I don't bring any of that politics into the classroom I'm totally bland not even vanilla when it comes to politics in the classroom and I think that's an important uh, objectivity that scientists have to have not to try to sway people's opinions but to tap into their belief that there is uh, a A truth which can't be found but can be outlined in smaller and smaller circles. The smaller you make that circle uh, around a point of truth, the better you're doing your job as a scientist and to let politics and passion intrude into it is a bit
0: dangerous really no I agree like the very nature of science dictates that it should be apolitical as much as it can be so uh, just before we move into a few more light-hearted questions um uh, a question I guess for students because we do have listeners that are still in high school that are you know potentially coming into university in the next few years for students that say you're in year 9 or 10 would you recommend physics as a year 11 and 12 uh subject more so than either chemistry or biology Uh,
1: Of course, but I'd recommend that they do all of the sciences and choose which one suits their their aptitudes. People with good memories will probably do better in biology, Um, but not necessarily. uh, I'm not sure what combination of interests and aptitudes I had have led me where I am. I think actually I've had to step around uh, a whole lot of mental deficiencies that you've (laughs) got to be frank with yourself about. Like my brain is like Swiss cheese at times and if I'm not careful I'll fall in. So with uh, physics it's just lucky that it's the right combination of um, solid ground and open space around me that uh, I can stand on and see a very long way at times. Of course. So do all
0: of the subjects and um, see where you work, where you work the best. There we go, that is your uh, that is your scientific <laughs> uh, high school career advice from Michael Evans there. So um, I guess the last question before we move into some more quick-fire lightning round is, yep. what is something that everybody tends to think about what you teach that is completely wrong?
1: Ah, well there's, there's this question about the so-called wave-particle duality in physics. Uh, which when you state stated like that, that's the most common way of saying it, people get the impression that something can be both a wave and a particle at the same time. And they get confused, you know, is it that the, that the wave is carrying the particle or that the, that the particle looks like a little wave as it travels along? And it, in fact, no, it's, it's even more serious than that. It's that uh, objects at a subatomic level are either a particle or a wave, depending on how you look at them, uh, what type of experiment you do. Uh, and that is almost impossible to understand it's, it comes down to a matter of probability hence we start asking questions about are there many worlds that could possibly explain this and I, I think no I think no about the many worlds. The the better explanation really is that the phenomena like an electron it comes from a thing called the electron field which is only a mathematical description you can't actually jump into it like it's a Uh, a field full of cows or a swimming pool full of things and the electrons don't pop out of it. It's just a mathematical idea which looks just like a number line really. But when you analyse it uh, according to the rules of quantum mechanics, I mentioned Erwin Schrodinger already, th- his ideas have been the main foundation for what we do with this idea of a field. We simply say that under certain circumstances, when we make measurements on that field, we'll see a particle. Other times, when we make a different kind of measurement on the field, we will see a wave. The description of the wave will tell us things about where we can expect to find the particle. The particle has got nothing to do with the wave, it's simply the end point of our measurement. and. Um, that probably in a soundbite sound like that doesn't make it any clearer for you. But I guess the first step is to think it's not trying to be both a wave and a particle at the same time. Don't be confused about that. That is the thing that people are the most confused, confused about, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's well said, to be honest. I think that'll give people a bit more of an insight into how misunderstood certain characteristics of physics can be. Yeah. So I guess just based on uh, building off of that again, um, do you think that the Phys 100 level unit will help students, I guess, will clear up some of their misunderstandings they may have about the subject? I hope so. Yeah, we'll certainly address those sorts of questions, but we keep it fairly simple, you know.
1: We we don't get to the that idea of a field until the first day of Phys 131 and it's the first thing I, that I mention um, I- expecting that that larger audience is usually a, a larger more diverse group in Phys 131. They can come from any background and uh, t- quite consistently there'll be lots of misunderstandings that they all carry. Um, we use Phys 100 really to work out what the g- abilities of the continuing students are. We identify students that are going to continue to Phys 131, we really try to work out what they know and don't know but we don't start to try to change them until we get them into PHYS-131 the more advanced classroom so yeah yeah, we, we wouldn't try to tackle the hard stuff in PHYS-100 because there's enough already you're doing your foundation maths you're just being exposed to calculus you're realising that there are ways of describing things in continuous and smooth ways and in discrete and broken ways which will in 131 become ways of describing the particles, which are discrete, and the waves, which are smooth. So then we surprise you with how useful those concepts are.
0: Okay. That's, um, again, very um, very useful, I think, knowledge for students going into an area of physics, uh, whether it be a, a science degree or any sort of physics-based um, work in the future. I hope so. So um, I guess um, moving now on, we're just going to go with a few lightning round quick fire questions, just again to end the interview on a bit of a high end, I guess, allow your students to get a bit of a, right. a grasp of the man behind the academic gown. Okay. Ooh, I'm ready. So the first thing is, do you have a favourite song? Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, definitely. Okay, that was a nice and easy one. For anyone who
1: has lost a friend or simply doesn't know where that friend is anymore, I think. And there's lots of people out there that have the same feeling for that particular song as me. And I uh, reach out to those spirit brothers and say, you will find that person. Or if you don't, they're in a good place, I'm sure.
0: Awesome. Um, If you could have the chance to go to Mars, would you?
1: Oh, not in my present (laughs) physical condition, no. I think I wouldn't pass the physical, not even remotely. (laughs) But if I was young and fit, yeah, I'd give it a crack, sure, so long as there
0: was a return ticket. I
1: want awesome. to come back. Yeah, <laughs> You don't want to stay up there for the rest of your life. Awful place to die. Oh, no, for sure.
0: <laughs> so um, besides music, is there anything that you're listening to at the moment? Do you have any podcasts or audiobooks that have caught your eye? Uh, I've just discovered Spotify.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, like about five years ago, I got a magazine form of the Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Ah. And at the time it was so frustrating because – there's all of these great albums and you're reading about the blurbs and but the, you can't actually push on the page and make them play the music so with spotify you know just get a premium account or a family account or tap off your mum and dad's spotify account and just start browsing because they've got everything absolutely any absolutely. form yeah, of music for sure. all the genres all of the